If you have your Bibles, could you take them now? Uh, if you have a hard copy or electronic copy, and if you could turn to James chapter 1. So we began a series last week in the book of James, and we read the first four verses last week. We're going to pick up there in verse 5. So James chapter 1 and verse 5. And uh, Jacob Sproul's going to be reading. I'll direct your attention to the screens. Good morning, church. Today's passage is from James 1, 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You know, there is nothing quite like spending time with a friend you haven't seen for a while. So some of that is probably happening even as uh, quarantine, we're, we're coming out of a season where we may have not seen many people at all. And I know this past year, I got to see a friend from like very first days in college and got to spend some time with him. And I hadn't seen him in over a decade. And they're just things that you remember, things when you meet a person that you haven't seen in a while, you're like, that is why I love spending time with him. That is why I enjoyed them so much. That is, like, that's the reason right there. And I find when I come to portions of God's Word, there are places where it reminds me again of why certain characteristics of the Lord have always meant so much to me, why some of His attributes, some of His nature has stood out to me. There there are places that I, I read, and it's not like I forgot that the Lord was this way, that God had this certain characteristic, but it just stands out and seems vibrant to me when I I haven't spent time thinking about it in a while. And that actually is what I want us to do today. I want us to see a characteristic of God. We focus so much attention, I feel like, on like self-discovery and finding our identity and looking at our personality. And I wonder if today we could spend time thinking about a characteristic of God and zoom in on that and focus our attention for the next few minutes on that. I wonder if God would use this. This has been my prayer, that God would use this and just kind of impress this particular characteristic on our hearts so much that it shapes how we think, what we do in the upcoming week. We started a series last week called Living the Faith. Living the Faith. And so it's one thing to believe. It's another thing what that belief looks like when it's fleshed out in your life. And that really has been what we are concentrating on. Let's focus on a particular characteristic of God. I think you're going to see it in this passage. And that characteristic is really straightforward. It is that God is a giving God. That God is a giving God. So just in James chapter 1. And again, I'm, I'm guessing this is not news to anybody, but it may be a fresh reminder for all of us. James 1 verse 5 says, God is one who gives generously. In James chapter 1 verse 7, talks about receiving, or in that case in verse 7, not receiving what God wants to give, but it still postures God as a giving God. Verse 12, in a very similar way, we receive the crown of life that God has promised. Well, who is the giver? God is the giver. James 1.17. So again, we're still in the same chapter. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow 
do to change. God is a giving God, and it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to notice it, but it's another even still to drill down and go, okay, let's think about that for a while, and let's press that in into areas of our life. By the end of it, let's say this is who God is, and I am so grateful. So I do want to focus our attention on, especially for a few minutes here, if you'll let me, on verse 5 of James 1. And I want us to zero in and kind of let's slow down our pace and walk through that a little bit. So James 1 and verse 5, it says that God, notice, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask, and notice the next three words there, let him ask God who gives, core to who he is. This is not, in, in the way the construction is in this passage, is not that this is a God who occasionally finds it in his heart to give. This is a God who by his nature, it's core to who he is. He is so consistent in this, we can say he is the God, and this is one way to characterize him, he's the God who gives. We know that God is a God who gives. We see this repeated again and again in Scripture. In Acts 17.25, Paul is preaching and he says, God is the giver of life and breath and everything. One of the first verses that I think many people, if not most people, memorize of Scripture, if they memorize one, is John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but have eternal life. As a matter of fact, 2 Corinthians 9, Paul describes that gift, the gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ, for us as an unspeakable gift or inexpressible gift or just an indescribable gift. In Romans 6.23, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is not a time where God is not a giving God. This is part of who He is, which is very different from me. There are times where I love to give, and there are times, maybe depending on the snack that is, I, I have close by or the meal that I don't want to share, that I'm, I could be a little stingy. Now, I mean, frankly, we all know there are times where our generosity may peak and when it may dip, and that could not be said of God. God is a God who gives, but not only does He give, but I also want you, again, we're walking through this verse slowly so that we see it all. He is a God who gives generously. That's what verse 5 says. He is a God who gives generously. Not only does He give, but He gives generously. And that word is an interesting word. This is one of those that I think translators had a hard time translating because it, at its root, it just means He gives simply, or it's kind of in a focused way. And I can see where you emerge that with giving and you go, okay, He gives generously. But it, it maybe a good way of understanding this is that this word is meant to convey that God gives without hesitation, without reservation, or without question. There aren't any conditions here. It's simple. It's not overcomplicated. 100% of the time, God is a giving God. He gives generously. Nothing else going on. No ulterior motives, no divided heart. His nature is to give creation exactly what we need to be in right relationship with Him. That's His nature. He wants to give. He gives generously. As you begin to process, okay, so he is the God characterized by giving, and not only does he give, but he gives in such a focused way where he's not divided about this. He doesn't have other thoughts related to this. You begin to understand why this could really begin to impact your heart, but let's keep reading, because not only does he give, not only does he give generously, but it says in verse 5, he gives generously to 
all. To all. Just a reminder that God doesn't, God doesn't play favorites with his giving. God doesn't play favorites. The book of James is written to people, verse 1 tells us, that are just scattered all over the place. And wherever they are scattered, God is giving generously to all of them, not only to a portion. This is also a reminder that there's not an in crowd to which God loves to give, but another crowd to where not so much. It's a reminder that God hasn't played this game of having like, well, he has about a hundred people he can give to at any given time. And if you happen to be on the list of a hundred, good for you. If you're number, number 120, well, just hang in there. Maybe you'll get to 100. And he'll finally, this is not the way God gives. He gives to all. He gives to all generously. And then there's one more qualification here. He gives generously to all without reproach. That's what verse 5 says, without reproach. Other translations are helpful because I don't use the word reproach in many of my sentences throughout the week. What does it mean that he gives without reproach? It means he gives without scolding. And another translation or paraphrase said this, he gives without making people feel guilty. And that was very, very enlightening to me. Like no underlying attitude, he gives without reproach. He gives he gives without scolding. He gives without making people feel guilty. So I know what it's like to give with kind of on one hand and take away on the other hand because sometimes my giving is like this. Sometimes I go, okay, here it is, but why can't you just... And that would be giving with reproach. And God doesn't give that way. Or sometimes when I give, I'll give and go... You know, I'll give it to you this time, but there better not be a next time. And that would be giving with reproach. And God doesn't give that way. There's sometimes where I'll give, and I go, I'll give you this, but I sure hope you appreciate everything that I've... And that would be giving with reproach. And God doesn't give that way. No scolding. This is helpful because unfortunately, I can be generous in those ways lots of times where I'm, I'm kind of generous, but I'm also some reproach, and God doesn't do that at all. Do you see the difference in how God gives versus certainly how we give? Can you appreciate what's being said? Can you let all that settle in? Make sure this is working on not just your head. Okay, Curtis, I understand what you're saying, but make sure that's working on your heart and your thought patterns that you have a God that's like this. If you aren't convinced that he's a giving God, if you think, well, 85% of them is generous, but 15 may be stingy, that will, I, I'm positive that's going to affect how you live your life. If you're not fully convinced that God is generous, you're going to look elsewhere because you're going to think, I don't know that I can get it from him. I'm going to need to find some, somewhere else to get something here to get the help that I need, to get the support, to get the hope. If you think that God being generous, if you think it doesn't apply to your situation, so if you think, well, it's nice, kind of in church we say God gives and He gives generously, gives generously to all without reproach, but frankly, in my situation, I'm not sure that applies that much because I'm dealing with and whatever you might think like, yeah, I'm not sure this applies, then that's going to affect some of your decision-making. But when you 
pour into your life the fact that God is a giving God and this is who he is. I don't know, this week I imagine like a container and imagine like this container has everything in my life, everything that's going on. So it has all the activities and the emotions, all the ups, the downs, the responsibilities, the struggles, situations, enjoyments, family, all that. Like if somehow we could like put it in, in some sort of container. And if you were in all of that, to put the fact in that in all of that, God is the giving God. And then if you were to just shake that so that the fact that God is the giving God would impact all of that. I'm positive that would change how you see the world, and I'm positive. That would immediately mean, okay, God, I don't understand this trial that's painful and seems like it's pushing me to some dark places, but I believe you are a giving God. God, I don't understand because life just feels very, very exhausting, and the peace that I want to have is like, just threatened, but you are a giving God, so it it changes the way you process. There are situations that could go from complicated to frustrating to, frankly, terrifying if God is not a giving God. There are situations where the world and the flesh and the temptations that come because of the world and our own flesh will, will push us to go places far from God. But wait a minute, God is a giving God. In the midst of all of this, I, I can be focused on the God who actually is focused on giving me exactly what I need, and never less than that. Never less than that. So can we hold that thought very clearly of this is a God who gives. And in light of God being a giving God, Here's just for the next few minutes, I want us to process, okay, what do I do with that? Because again, the series isn't just thinking the faith, it's living the faith. So how do I, what do I do? How do I live? If I really do believe that, what, what actions is that going to cause me to take? What mindsets is that going to lead me to have? How do I live out belief in this? So can we go back to that James 1.5 where it says, so if any of you lacks wisdom, and do you see it like this is This is what you do because you have a giving God. Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. So if I know God is a giving God, then one thing that's going to mean is I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask, even though I might be tempted to try to live independent. So by independent, it's kind of the difference between, no, I can handle this on my own. Versus saying, I lack something and I need something, so because God is a giving God, I am going to ask, even though I'm tempted to say, I don't need the help. And the reason why I would say I don't need the help is often I don't want to expose my vulnerabilities that I can't like, like I don't have everything together. I don't ask for too many things that I already have. If I already have it, I'm not going to ask for it. If I can get it easily, I'm not going to ask for it. But when I'm pressed in areas, the things that I don't have and that I need, I'm put in the position of needing to ask, specifically in James. So if we kind of pull back a little bit from last week, specifically one thing we need, and James 1.5 alludes to that, is when we're facing trials of various kinds, one thing that we quickly will find we need is wisdom. 
Trials expose our need to process and act on what, what is a wise thing to do here. Sometimes trials break us down. We don't know how we're going to meet a particular problem. I mean, I could think I've got a million things in my life, like humming, and it's just like everything's in place. And then all it takes, you know this, all it takes is one phone call. And then everything that I felt so confident in, of like how I've got the world by the time, all that can just break down in a moment. And I go, I don't know what I need to do. I need wisdom. And James says, yes, and you have a giving God so you can ask for things like wisdom. So one person said wisdom is practical and moral and spiritual insight, which is given by God. And I like that because it's, it's kind of a, a mixture of lots of things. It's practical. Okay, here's, here's what's best to do in this situation. And it's also ethical. Here's the right thing to do. And it's also spiritual. Here's what God is doing. Here's how God designed the world. Here's how God is working. And I need all of that insight, practical and ethical and, and spiritual. When I'm facing trials, you might need wisdom about how to deal with the trials that we talked about last week that you are enduring. Well, if you have a giving God, you know what you can do? You can ask Him for wisdom. You have a giving God. So you could think for a long time of the things you need, but make sure you're leaning into the fact that, well, wait a minute, I can ask, even though I'm tempted to know, no, 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 I got this. I got this. I can ask my Heavenly Father. He's the giving God. Also in James 1, keep reading though, because it's, you have a giving God, so you can ask, but in verse 6 of James 1, it says, but this person who's asking, let him ask. And then adds some, some words there, and I want us to like, think through these words carefully. Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord, double-minded, and he's unstable in all his ways, in, in many ways. This verse is intimidating to me. Verse 6 says, no doubting. All right, ask, no doubting. Verse 8 says, and don't be double-minded. Don't be double-souled about this, like you have a mind of this and a mind of that, and you're wavering and you're hesitating. Don't go there. It's, I, I think about that word doubting, and again, it's another one of those tough words that translate exactly reflecting the original. But, but it's easy for me to misread what doubting is talking about and kind of ride some other things on my mind that, and just kind of put it with that word doubting. I'm afraid it could be easy to read of, like when he says you, you can ask but no doubting, to read that as if the moment there is one shred of doubt, you have violated the terms of agreement here. The user agreement said, I'll give you if you don't doubt but you doubted on August 18th. And I, God knows everything, so because you doubted, and I caught you doubting, I'm off the hook. I don't have to give you anything because you doubted. I, I'm afraid we could look at this passage as so transactional, as if God is just looking for a technicality to get out of this 
promise he made? Is that really what this is saying when James 1 says, no, he's a giving God. He's ready to give. I think we will be helped by not looking at it so much in a transactional or a technicality way. If you doubt, ah, then I think it will be much more helpful to see this as a relationship because I think that is exactly what's going on, a relationship that is built on trust. The The idea of doubting is going back and forth in your confidence in God and like, nah, I can't trust them. Okay, maybe. No, I can't trust them. And and you're divided between these two things. What James is telling us is be settled on who he is. And if I'm convinced that God is a giving God, I think we can also say, not only am I going to ask, but I'm going to trust, even though, even though, yes, even though I'm tempted to hesitate. If I'm convinced he's a giving God, I'm going to trust even though I'm tempted to hesitate. I can rely on who he is. Even though my heart's going, ah, up and down. Can I give you a picture that may help just flesh some of this out for you? Picture a dad and his daughter. And picture how they have, let's imagine they have this sweet, sweet relationship. And imagine this dad who is imperfect but a good dad. Imagine him saying, making promises like, I'm going to take care of you. I love you. There's not anything I wouldn't do for you. And imagine that dad looking at his daughter and saying, I I need you to do two things. Imagine that dad saying, I need you to ask if you need anything. I want you to ask. If you need something, I want you to ask. Please ask. I need you to do that. I want you to do that. And one other request I would have is that you have confidence that I'm always going to be looking out for your good. So I want you to ask, and I want you to trust that I'm going to be looking out for your good. I am, like, I love you this much. You see, when you put it in those kinds of terms, then the relationship is going to take a hit If the child says, I know, Dad, you said to ask, but I didn't want your help, so I did it on my own. I know you could have helped. I know you wanted help, but frankly, I thought I'd do it on my own. The relationship is going to take a hit. We understand that. The relationship is going to take a hit if the daughter says, you know, I would have asked, but I didn't didn't want to trust you. I, I didn't think I could. I didn't think I could trust you. The relationship is going to take a hit, I think, The design of prayer should tell us that God has this focused intention on giving us what we need. And because he's so focused on giving us what we need, then we also can be focused in our faith and not doubting. I'm not saying it's easy, but it means I don't have to waver. I'm not worried about trying to like, okay, I've got to get this formula just right so that then and only then God's going to maybe work on my behalf. Prayer is about confidence in God's character. Prayer is telling us a lot about what's going on in our heart. We have a God who gives, and because he gives, we can ask, we can trust. But in verse 12, there's a couple more places this goes. And I just want you to see them. Look at James 1, 12. James 1.12 says this, Blessed is the man, man or woman here, who remains steadfast under the trial for when he has stood the test. 
he will receive the crown of life. If I know God is the giving God, what can I do? I can remain steadfast. I can endure. I can endure even though I'm tempted to give up. I'm not going to go over because so much of this is what we covered last week. I'm not going to rehash all this, but you and I are going to be tempted to quit and kind of bail on things. We, we talked about this, but this adds the prospect like, no, you don't have to quit because God is a giving God, because He is one who can renew your strength and you can mount up with wings like eagles, like Scripture says, because new mercies are yours daily. You wake up to them. Because of that, you can endure because He is going to keep replenishing your strength. And when God strengthens our hope about the present or the future, often the word life comes up. Like, I didn't come to just only give you physical life. I came to give you abundant life, life to the fullest. I came to give you everlasting life, life eternal. Jesus would say, I'm the bread of life. Jesus would say, I give you the water of life. Jesus would say, our, our hope is a living hope. You can endure because you know you know, even though I'm tempted to give up, God is a giving God, and He's going to see me through. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. I'm going to endure not because I'm so strong, but because He's a giving God. And each day He's going to give me my daily bread, the new mercies I need each morning. James 1.12 seems to put an exclamation point at the end of just this whole idea of God giving. Blessed is the man who is remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, because this is something God has promised to those. I want you to just notice those last couple of verses, or the last few words of this verse. God has promised to those who love him. And it just struck me this week, he could have gone so many different places that equally would have been true God has promised all these great things for those who trust Him, that would be fair, who obey Him, who submit to Him, who give their lives to Him, who seek to do His will. I mean, all the different ways this could have been filled in, but, but what's said here is those who love Him. I think James had been listening well to his half-brother Jesus. When Jesus was asked, like, what's it all about? What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus in Matthew 22 said, here's the greatest commandment. Not that you take this massive pilgrimage somewhere to demonstrate something to me of how sacrificial you will be. Here's the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. At one level, it's so simple. At another level, it's so demanding. It's just like, love me with everything you have. Don't be conflicted in how much you are devoted, how much your allegiance lies to me. Everything else pales in comparison. Love me with everything you have. So if I know God is a giving God, then I'm going to love him. Despite the fact that I could be tempted to make the relationship about lots of things that aren't love. I could think, like actually what God wants from me I know he's a giving God, but what God wants from me is that I perform, that I have so many consecutive days where I do this or I don't do that, where, where I follow all the rules, the big ones and the obscure ones, so much so that everybody's impressed by how good of a rule follower I am. 
We can take our relationship in places it was never meant to go where we think we've got to earn God's favor, where we've got to produce spiritual results, and then and only then we'll feel satisfied that we, like we've proven to God we're serious about this thing. And God says, no, just love me. Don't make this about performance and results. Just love me. Or we could also take our relationship with God to another place that has little to do with love, and we could treat him as if he's the genie, not just with three wishes, but a million. Treat him as if he's some sort of invisible, imaginary helper, something, someone like a, a Santa Claus who gives good gifts when you, you know, occasionally, and when that time comes around, James says, no, 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 that's that's not how you respond to God giving. How you respond to God giving is you worship Him as the giver and you love Him because He is a giving God. At the end of the day, this is about love. So I don't think I'm alone and that these days I seem to find no shortage of things to really press on my heart. So in one minute I'm thinking about some personal issue I'm working through, and the next minute I'm thinking through some, like, family thing we're dealing with, and then I, in comes to mind one of my friends and what they're going through, and then sometimes I think of something that's clearly in my control, and like, oh yeah, I need to do, and then I think of something out of my control, and I think, yeah, I need to, well, I can't do, so what do I do about that? I mean, it's our hearts, my mind these days seem to go a lot of different places, but Here's what I'm walking away with from the fact that God is a giving God. I want to train my heart. When I have all these situations in my life, I'm going to ask you to consider doing the same thing. Maybe even physically, you write out, because God is a giving God. And maybe you reflect on all those things we talked about in verse 5, like telling us exactly how he's a giving God. Because God is a giving God, and then I can, and then you fill in the blank. Because God is a giving God, and I, I don't know where every situation lands, but because he is a giving God, and it's clear he wants you to know that and worship him for that, then I can, I can ask, maybe that's where you need to go today. I can trust. I can endure. I can love him with all my heart. Or maybe there are other things that as this has been going on, you're kind of processing this truth with your situation. And what I'd love for us to do, a lot of times we end our service with a time of singing. And we're not going to do that today. What I want to end our time with is you may be taking inventory of your heart and maybe one thing or two things or five things come to mind and you mentally or maybe even physically on on the paper there, you write, because, because God is a giving God, I can. And then maybe God speaks to you in a certain way, bolstering your confidence in him. Let me give you a moment to process that, a moment to pray. And then in just a little bit, Evan's going to come up and close our time. All right, so why don't we just take a moment and reflect on that, pray about that, and see where the Lord leads.